Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. How many of you came hungry for a word from God? I came hungry, Lord. We're going to open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and I'm going to continue on in my impromptu sermon series called uh, A Church in Revival. I just made up that sermon series title this morning in worship, so um, there's no screen for it, but uh, the sermon series is called A Church in Revival. Everybody say, that's us. And so we have the Apostle Paul, the church planter, the father in the spirit to the church at Corinth, writing a letter back to the church that he planted. It is a church that is in revival. They are in revival, but they are also simultaneously in much error. So Paul's writing an epistle of correction and encouragement. He is letting them know, hey, this part of what you guys are doing is super advanced. Like, you're ahead of the curve. You're doing really awesome. You're moving in great power. The Spirit is moving in that house. But also, over here, you're really deficient. You need to grow in your character. You need to strengthen your roots. You need to drive those roots down deep so that you can be strong and stable as the move of God is poured out like tidal waves so that you can stand tall to carry everything God has for your life. And so I just feel like as, as a shepherd, Allison and I have been talking about this, we are in the middle of a move of God. Do you, would you guys agree? Yes. Um, but there's also a temptation to get tired in the midst of waiting on the next corporate outpouring. Um, you know, we've been in this building since February. We've had a couple of really great conferences. And I think there's a temptation for the new and the shiny to wear off. And for us to be like, man, that was cool. You know, that was the cool church to go to for a little bit. But uh, I think I'm going to stay home um, pretty much permanently now and, and watch on live stream. Please don't do that. If you live in Nashville, come to church. We want you in the house. There's something special about being with the body. Um, but I think there is that temptation. Like, man, you know, um, that was fun. We're just back to church as usual. Listen, revival is what heaven calls balance. I know sometimes people be like, oh, we just need to be balanced. And that's an excuse for apathy. But revival is what heaven calls balance. Listen, it's important that we move not only in the power of the spirit, but that we're also grounded in the power of the truth. And that's the reason for Paul's epistle. And that's the reason for this sermon series. So a church in revival. First Corinthians chapter two, if you're there, say I'm there. I'm there. Awesome. So we're going to read verse one and I'm just going to read the whole chapter because I thought it'd be fun, <laughs> but I'm only going to preach on the first five scriptures. Is that okay? Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Uh, verse one says, and I, when I came to you, brothers did not come proclaiming to you the testimony. Everybody say testimony. testimony. Now testimony here means mystery. Everybody say mystery. mystery. It also means Secret. Everybody say secret. secret. I don't know about you, but I want to know what the deep mysteries of God are. Anybody else in the room? Yeah. Like, you're going scuba Steve in the glory. You're like, you want to go deep. You want to dive deep. 
Anybody else in here, you're like, I want to know what the mysteries of God are. Right? This is us. Honestly, you guys seen that TV show? Like, this is us. This is the family that we are. Like, we are, we have nicknamed this location Swirl Town USA. We, I mean, like, we, we love to be caught up in the glory. We love the presence of God. We love the deep things of God. We love a good fire tunnel. Amen. Hallelujah. And, um, Corinth is kind of like that. Corinth is kind of charismatic like us. And verse 1, he says, I did not come proclaiming to you the mysteries, secrets of God, the testimony of God, with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Verse 2 is so good, we should all repeat it corporately. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. All right, we'll move on. Verse 3. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and with much trembling. That's a, that's a pretty uh, bold confession from the Apostle Paul. Would you agree? Yeah. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration. Everybody say demonstration. It's important. Of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's good. And now we're going to read 6 through 16 just for fun. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age. So what Paul is saying, the wisdom that we impart is not the philosophy of influencers. It, it, it's, it's, it's not the cool of culture. It's not the positions of politicians. So, y'all ain't going to preach me this morning. I can see we're already moving in that direction. It's not the wisdom of this age and it is not the wisdom of the rulers of this age that we possess as born-again believers. We possess a wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit. This is what Paul is saying here. It's not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age. Reminder, they're all doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden. There it is again. There's those depths. Those secret, mysterious realms of the glory. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed when? Before the ages for our glory. I'll take some of that. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Everybody say, that's me. That's good news. Verse 10, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. 
and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom but taught by the spirit interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual is it this is deep can we all agree Verse 14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly, means foolishness, to him, and he is not able to understand them. Why? Because they are only spiritually discerned. A couple of days ago, I felt like the Holy Spirit woke me up, and he gave me some points, and he said, um, these are the tools that you will need for the days ahead. And one of the tools that he spoke to me about was the gift of the spirit that is the discerning of spirits. I think it's so important for the church to receive the gift of the spirit that is the, the discerning of spirits so that we're not simply impressed by so-called fruit, but that we are spiritually discerning enough to go to the depth of the root of the motive yeah. of the intention yeah. of everybody that's trying to teach and train and um, blow us back and forth to and fro with every wind of doctrine so that we can stay stable and strong spiritually discerning the word of the Lord over our lives in this season it's not about pop culture, but about heaven's culture. What's happening in heaven? What's the music they're playing in heaven? How they dressing in heaven? <laughs> they got suits on, is that what you said? What if I wore a robe? That'd be so much fun. Um, <laughs> verse 15. Uh, the spiritual person judges all things, but, in, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Now, get this last part here. It says, but we, everybody say it's me, have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. We don't think with the natural human mind. We think on a higher level. We have the mind of Christ. That's what the Bible says. So like Paul, he starts off plain and simple and direct, and then he dives deep, and he gets into some really deep stuff. And we're not going to go through 6 through 16. I'm going to go through 1 through 5 and kind of build a foundation for what it looks like to dive deep on a sermon that I've entitled The Secret Mysterious Wisdom of God. I know, right? The secret, mysterious wisdom of God. And I, I was kind of between two titles, so I gave you a second one. What you do if you want more of God. So, Lord, we pray over the word. We bless the word. We say thank you so much for the transformation that you have prepared for each and every one of us. God, we give you permission. We hand you a blank check today, God. We say fill it in. Whatever it is that you want to do in our lives, you can do it. We say yes and amen, and we align ourselves with the will of heaven in Jesus' name. And the church said amen.
Amen. So I've kind of alluded to the fact that we are a church that's similar to Corinth, but hopefully a little bit healthier, because I don't know if you guys have read First and Second Corinthians. People were doing some really crazy stuff, like their meetings were kind of out of line, like unbelievers would walk in and think that they were drunk or crazy, and there was all kinds of sin in the camp and bad character, but in the midst of all that crazy stuff happening, they were still in the middle of revival. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but God loves to use imperfect people to release his power and presence. It happens, you know. Uh, God will use leaders with bad character. God will use people with wrong motives. And I don't know why he chooses to do that, but God decides what he wants to do with his own word, right, to bless the people that he loves. And the church at Corinth is no exception. There's all kinds of good. There's all kinds of bad. But they were a church in revival with a corporate cry unto heaven, we want more. And that's where I think that we identify with Corinth. Would you agree? We are a church that wants more. We are a church that wants more, right? We're like, more, God, more. You ever, you ever been to a charismatic church and everybody's like, more, Lord? Yeah. You know, just, more. You, you had somebody pray for you? More, Lord. It's just, a, it's just, it just works. More. There are times when I'm experiencing God, I'm like, no, more. do not pray that. I am, I am filled. I'm good. <laughs> I'm feeling feels. <laughs> the power is real. <laughs> you know, this, this, something I've learned about like pastoring you guys is like you're uncomfortable in the shallow end of the pool. Like unless we are really turned up, you're like, what's the problem? <laughs> what are we? What are we doing today? We're just playing games. Any other day? You know, you know what I mean? No one's on the floor. <laughs> no one's jumping up and down. Todd's not doing spirit fingers. I can't help but to think of Jack Black. Come on now, yeah, huh? You know what I mean? That is the kind of church that you're a part of. Like, it's, it's crazy, right? Like, the Bible tells us that we will be a peculiar people, and I will honestly admit we are that, right? Like, even the Apostle Paul said, listen, if I'm in my right mind, it is for your sake. And if I am out of my mind, it is the Holy Spirit's fault. Like, literally, that's what the Apostle Paul said, okay? And so I think we can identify a little bit with Corinth in that we are a church. We're like, more. We want the secrets of God. We want the mysteries of God. We want to discern the will of God. We want, um, we don't just want the fruit of the Spirit. We want the gifts of the Spirit. We want revival. We want reformation. We want the Bible to come to life. We want to heal the sick. We want to raise the dead. We want to cleanse the leper. We want the nations to come home to the Father as a result of our powerful preaching. We want to send missionaries all over the world. I mean, we want to plant churches. Like, what? What's wrong with you guys? So weird. But it's awesome, isn't it? It, it, is, it is so awesome how weird we are. I love it. 
So in the midst, in the midst of all like the weirdness, right? Because that's Paul writing to Corinth. In the midst of all the weirdness, in the midst of the desire for more, in the midst of the revival, in the midst of the move of the spirit, Paul is writing and he's saying, look, let's, let's drill down deep with our roots. And that's why, that's why I'm preaching this because I really think it's so important that we are in a very similar moment that we would dive deeper in our pursuit for more. The Apostle Paul is so plain and he's so simple to the church at Corinth, which is something I really love about him. He's so direct. Every now and then, and I think we could all agree, we just need a direct word. Yes. We're like, man, don't, don't, don't sugarcoat it. Don't dress it up. Just tell me what the Bible says. share a testimony with you real quick it's it's kind of funny but I at first I was tempted to be insulted so I was meeting with somebody and they were like you know I looked you guys up on Instagram and when I looked you up you just really didn't seem like a very deep church that was kind of awesome right I was like oh really what for he's got cool people they're dressed cool they got cool hats. You know, people are wearing Jordans or Mickey Mouse Gucci's. She just didn't seem like a very deep church. You know, a lot of young people going there. And after all, I mean, you yourself, you look pretty young. I get that a lot, which I kind of feel like is a compliment at this point, considering the fact I just turned 37. You're like, oh, I thought you were like 28 or something like that. <laughs> Keep them coming. Yeah. <laughs> and they were, like, they were like, yeah, I just didn't think it'd be a very deep church. But then I showed up. And I participated in the worship. And then you started preaching. And like, I thought it was interesting because you didn't give us just the social commentary. Like, you didn't read the news from the pulpit. Like, you didn't use the platform to broadcast your opinions. You just literally opened an actual physical Bible, and you're like, this is what the Bible says. And I was like, yeah, that's us too. As crazy and as weird as we are, and how much we want revival and more, and we want to dive deep, and we want to do all the cool stuff, fun stuff, like, we want to be grounded in the Word of God. Like, it's not just spirit, it's also truth. And he was like, yeah, man, I've just been coming back. He's not in the room, but like, I've just been coming back ever since, man. It's, it's deep. I'm like, that's us. But every now and then, you just, need, you just need that plain and simple preaching, which is what the Apostle Paul brings to the church at Corinth. He's so quick to the point. And here's the whole point of the message, the secret, mysterious wisdom of God. Here's the whole point. I'm giving it to you right up front. Uh, the Apostle Paul is so quick. He's like, here is what the deep, secret, mysterious wisdom of God is Jesus Christ and him crucified like I know as charismatics we're like more Lord if you want more here's what you want Jesus if you're asking for more you are asking for a person you're not asking for more prophetic words you're not asking for more experiences you're not asking for more glory goosebumps. Like you are asking for a person who is alive and real and in the room and his name is Jesus. Because like, we want more. You want more of Jesus? 
and you want more revelation about the cross. You want to understand to the depths of your being more of the implications of what was accomplished on the cross at Calvary. Like when you're asking for more, that's what you want. So Paul's like, listen, if you want to dive deep, you want to dive deep into the study of the cross. And you know, something about Paul is that if anybody could have gone fancy, it was the Apostle Paul. Listen, Paul was smarter than anybody you're going to listen to on a podcast. All right, I promise you. He had the equivalent of three PhDs. He was so educated. He was also so anointed, right? He stood, if you look at Acts chapter 17 in the timeline of the early church, Acts chapter 17, Paul is standing in Athens giving a sermon on Mars Hill. You guys heard of that before? It is such a good sermon. As a preacher, I salivate. Like, I'm listening, I'm like, wow. It just doesn't get any better than that. Like, he is standing in the epicenter of, the birthplace, if you will, of philosophy, and he is appealing. He's even quoting philosophers. Like, he's got notes. He's got quotes. He's got jokes. Like, he's doing the whole, like, he is like the best preacher. Like, you would not believe the eloquence. You would not believe the wisdom. You would not believe the lofty speech. I mean, he is crushing it. Go read the sermon on Mars Hill. Like, Paul crushes it as a preacher, right? And if you look at church history, you'll realize that despite the eloquence of Paul's sermon, no local church was ever established in Athens. Which is very interesting to me. If you consider the fact that Paul, man, I mean, he studied, he prepared. Nobody was prepared like Paul. He gave an appeal. He talked to the philosophers. He referred to the culture of the day. I mean, he gave this great sermon, and yet no church was established. So I have to think, if you look at the timeline of church history, Paul then goes on to Corinth after leaving Athens saying, you know what? That lofty speech didn't work that well. You know what, that eloquence that I gave those philosophers, it didn't work that well. You know what, by debating and giving science and all these different things that I appealed to in regards to their human wisdom and intellect did not bring about the fruit of an establishment of a church. Therefore, I'm going to go to Corinth and instead of dressing the gospel up, I'm just going to give it to them plain and simple. Listen, guys, if you want to know what the deep mysteries of God are, look at this. Jesus Christ, Jesus crucified. And then you have a thriving, amazing, awesome, ultimately mature, incredible church planted that blesses an entire city. Listen, a church that is built upon man's wisdom, man's teaching, man's preaching, or man's opinion, it's doomed to fail. But a church that is built upon Jesus Christ and the cross and Jesus crucified on the cross and dying and being put in a grave and resurrecting on the third day, that is a church that is bound to walk in victory. That's why Paul's like, actually, that didn't really work so well over there. I'm just going to go over here and like, listen, guys, if you want to know what's up, you want to go deep, you want to be a church in revival, you want to do all that stuff, here's what you study. Jesus. You want more? Study Jesus and the cross. So what to do if you want more of God? If that's you in here today and you're like, that's me. I want, I want more. I want more. I want more God. That's me. Look at me, Lord. That's me. I want more of you. I got, I got four points for you. Number one is this. Make your focus in life plain and simple. Jesus and the cross. Like I, church, I double dog dare you to make your focus today plain and simple. Just Jesus and the cross. That's it. Like forget 
read books on interpreting dreams. I mean, it's great if that's what God asks you to do. Praise God. I bless you in the name of Jesus. But like, leave aside, like, I want to know how to go to the third heaven and converse with archangels and... Hey, right, listen, I bless you. I love you, mystics. You're weird. I'm weird. I'm with you. You're blessed. But listen, if you really want to experience more of God and spiritual transformation like you've never experienced before, I invite you, my friends, to seriously focus your mind on Jesus and the cross, and that's it. It's like, this is it. Jesus and the cross, that's it. Paul says, for I decided to know nothing except for this. Jesus in the cross. For I decided, look at your neighbor and say, make a decision. See, this is the power of your freedom of choice. You have to personally make a decision. This is it. I ain't worried about all that mess. I bless it in due season. Hallelujah. Amen. But there ain't nothing better than studying Jesus in the cross. There ain't nothing as rich. There ain't nothing as vibrant. There is nothing as life-giving as studying Jesus and, the Jesus and the cross. And Paul said that he decided, which means you have to mentally make a choice to focus your life in one direction, which is Jesus and the cross. Paul says, for I decided to know nothing. I want you to notice that Paul did not say, for I decided to preach nothing else. That's not what he said. He didn't say, for I, he didn't say that. For I decided not to teach anything else but Jesus and the cross. No, no. Paul said, I decided to. No. Come on, y'all help me out. For I decided to. No. Know nothing but Jesus and the cross. That means Paul made a decision. He said, my mental faculties will be wholly committed to one thing. My thoughts, my dreams, the way I talk to myself, my, my, my inner self-talk, all that stuff, like it's going to be completely consumed by one topic. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, crucified on the cross for my salvation. You want to experience a season of transformation in your life? Become obsessed with Jesus and the cross. And that, that leads us into point two. If you want more of God, become obsessed with studying the cross. Listen, I believe that today God is calling some of you to become like forensic investigators of the cross. I'm talking, I'm, I like, you're not going to leave any stone unturned. Uh, you're going to get out your magnifying glass. You're going to have five commentaries. You're going to be doing personal interviews with characters in the Bible, you know, actual real people, like you're going to study them. Well, what could the centurion have been thinking whenever he put that sword in Jesus' side and then all of a sudden, like the, the roar and the thunder and the darkness and then water flow, like what? wonder what he was thinking. Just sit on that for like 10 minutes in prayer and see if it's not followed by some sincere revelation and transformation of your own heart like and then you go to you go to mary you think man what would mary have been thinking as she watched her baby boy and she was seeing him like pour out all of his life blood and and, and then she saw john the beloved and what could it have been like if i was john the beloved and i was sitting there with the mother watching her son be you ever put yourself in the story like that if you put you 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 then, you, then you're Simon, man. What would it have been like to watch this man? Where he's so disfigured, he's beaten beyond recognition. He's asking me to carry the cross? Like, what would the insight, the revelation, the wisdom, the understanding of the Son of God be like if you put yourself in the story? Like, you are a forensic investigator. Let me interview Simon. 
Let me, let me interview Peter. What do you think he was saying? Let me, let me go over here. Let me, let me interview Mary. Some of the women that were there. You, you, you ever think to do that? Like just become obsessed with the story of the cross. Just become obsessed and think about each and every little detail just like you'd watch an episode of CSI. Oh, Galgotha. He was, he was crucified on Galgotha. What does Galgotha mean? That means skull. Okay, he was crucified on the Mount of the Skull. Why would he have been crucified on the Mount of the Skull? It's because he's the head of the church. You start looking at these little things and you're like, if you want more revelation, study the cross. Any revelation that you need will be found in the study of the cross. Let me say it like this, to, to this side. Any revelation that you need will be found in the study of the cross. If you just become obsessed with the study of the cross, I'm telling you right now, maturity is going to be the byproduct of your study time. Yeah. You will know more about God by studying the cross than anything else. Because there was never a moment that Jesus was more like God than when he was hanging on the cross for you. In the best picture of God, look at Jesus on the cross. Not Jesus in a chariot. Not Jesus saying, Hosanna, 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 he's awesome. Look at Jesus on the cross. You want the best picture of God? Look at Jesus on the cross. Stretched wide, hung high, bled out, crown of thorns upon his head, saying this to his enemies, forgive him. For they know not what they do. And yet, even when we were enemies of God, Jesus chose to die for me and for you and for us. That is the best picture of God. Become obsessed with the study of the cross. If you want more of God, study the cross. The cross holds the power of what Jesus has accomplished for you. If you've forgotten who you are, study the cross. If you're unsure about your identity, study the cross because the cross will inform your identity. The cross will inform your value. The cross will inform how precious you are, how priceless you are, how wonderful you are, how you are the apple of Jesus' eye. The cross informs all of that. When you're tempted to feel neglected and isolated and rejected and abandoned, all you got to do is look back at the cross and say, man, he came for me. He drew close to me. He gave his life for me. He became a ransom for me. He sacrificed himself for me. I'm not as abandoned as I thought I once was. I have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. That's why Paul's like, dude, you can't comprehend this with your own natural intellect. It is impossible. These truths are spiritual, therefore they must be spiritually discerned. But that's what he's teaching. He's like, Get this, you want to dive deep? Dive deep like this. And then thirdly, um, I want you to consider Paul's posture. And this is point number three. Take a posture of weakness. You want more of God? Take a posture of weakness. Now, I, this is so countercultural. This goes against the grain of everything that we love to celebrate in our culture today in the midst of our selfies, in the midst of our highlights, in the midst of our bragging rights in the midst of our, you know, showing off and boasting and bragging and all that stuff. Like, 
Paul, the apostle, who had every reason to appeal to his strength so that the church at Corinth would listen to him, instead presented himself in weakness. Like, I, I don't, are you catching this, guys? Because, like, the Apostle Paul had every excuse to be great. Look at his resume. Like, he could have showed up, like, with some papyrus, right? Like, check it out. I am the Apostle of Apostles. Like, I'm the goat. I don't know if you know this. I wrote most of the New Testament. <laughs> yeah, that's me. That's me right there. Paul, the Apostle. I planted more churches. I'm the best missionary since Jesus, y'all. Like, he could have literally appealed to all of his strengths, and yet when he shows up at Corinth, he shows up in weakness. He shows up in honesty. He shows up in vulnerability. He shows up in transparency. He shows up emotional. I know, I'm getting in trouble now, right? But he's like, look. That's what happens, right? There's nothing wrong with emotions. There's something wrong with being driven through life by your emotions, but there's nothing wrong with emotions. Paul was like, amen. So Paul was like, listen, listen, here I am. I'm in my weakness. Why was it that he could come being so great through the lens of, you know, church culture? I mean, his platform was huge. This is a famous itinerant. And yet he shows up at a church he planted that's in disarray, and he's like, I'm weak. Yeah. He, he, he says that he's weak. Why? Because he does not feel adequate for his assignment. Anybody ever been there before? Yeah. And he's honest about it. Instead of faking it till he makes it, he's like, look, guys, this is me. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to be an apostle. God says I'm one. I don't know how to do that. He does, though. God called me to plant this church in Corinth. I don't really know how to be a church planter, but by the grace of God, there's a church here. I don't know how to preach the gospel. I tried over there with, in my strength in Athens. Nothing happened. See, we've got to get to this place, guys, until we can die to ourselves, our own gifts, our own strengths, our own personalities, and all of the good stuff that we can conjure up on our best day and say it's all trash. Yes. <laughs> It's all garbage. Our righteousness is as filthy rags to God, the Bible says, right? So it's like, listen, none of this stuff is adequate to have impact in the kingdom of God. The reason why Paul showed up, he's like, I'm in my weakness, but I'm also, I'm afraid to the point of trembling. What does that look like? That's like knees knocking, hands shaking. Like this man was consumed with enough fear to call it, I'm trembling. Why? Because he was connected to, the, to his own insufficiency to do what God had called him to do. I know we make it look cool up here. But do you know how often I'm standing right there and I'm like, Lord, you better show up right now because I don't know if this message is going to be any good unless the Holy Spirit comes. Like, it's probably garbage. Like, I don't even think I've studied enough. I don't think this is good. Lord, please. Like, it's one thing here. Like, I feel less anxiety here because you guys all know me and you, for whatever reason, decided to like me. But like, when I'm in other churches, it's way worse. I'm like, oh, I, I am not qualified. 
I'm from Sacramento, Kentucky. There are no stoplights there. There's 600 people there. It's 90% farmland. I don't have like a college degree yet. I'm not from some like, you know, precious, prophetic, prolific pedigree. Like, it's like, I got nothing, God. Like, you better show up. Do you know how many times I do that? Like, it would probably blow your mind. Like, because it happens all the time. Like, Todd and I were at Upper Room a few weeks ago, and like, I tried my best to get Pastor Michael Miller not to invite me to preach. I told him last minute, hey, me and Todd are going to be there. Will you save us a seat? Oh, you should preach. God, no, I did not want to preach, bro. I wanted to show up. He's like, no, 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 you should definitely preach. I'm like, hey, just so you know, I didn't text you. I wasn't trying. He was like, dude, I know you're preaching. I'm like, oh, Lord, come on, God. This is, ah, and I'm, you know, I'm in worship. And of course, you know, I look good on the live stream. But in my mind, I'm like, Lord, please, God, give me a word. You got to have a word for me tonight, Lord, or else these people are not going to enjoy this time. I'm dead serious. That's why, like, if you look at the stream, like, you know, Pastor Michael's praying for him, I'm like, <laughs> Jesus, I still don't know what I'm going to say. Please, God. See, I, I, I promise, I am, like, when we, if you came to Legacy Weekend in February, it was the same thing. Like, I came up, I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. Bethel Music Night, the thing we just launched on YouTube, watch it back. I have no clue what I'm going to say. And I texted my dad last night, and I was like, this? I watched it last night while I was preparing for this, and I was actually like fighting back tears. And I was like, this could have been the best message I ever preached. And then I said, it's because I didn't preach it. Like, this was from God. Will you go back and watch this, Dad? Because this was really good. Like, I... Like, I want you to understand what I'm saying. It's like, I, I'm insufficient. Yes. And that's where Paul's like, I'm weak. I don't know what I'm doing. I, but you know, it's like, I'm in weakness, Lord. I have fear, and I'm honest about it. I don't have a clue what I'm doing. I don't know how to preach very well. I don't know how to plant a church. I don't know how to lead a staff. I don't know how to, Lord, please help. Like, that's what Paul, he's doing that, right? You know, there's something about that, though, that God loves to show up. Like, the Holy Ghost is attracted to humility. Um, consider this, uh, Philippians uh, 3 and 3, Paul also said, we worship by the Spirit of God and we glory in who? Christ Jesus. And then we put no confidence in the flesh. None. Psalm uh, 51 verse 17 says, the sacrifice that you desire, Lord, is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart. That is the posture that the Holy Spirit loves to breathe upon, is brokenness. It's not grandeur. It's, it's not pomp and personal confidence and 
Look at me and my greatness and my gift and my strength and my wisdom and my ability to communicate. Like Paul's like, all oh, that's garbage. You will never build a great church on any of that garbage. Like this right here is what it is all about. Be broken. Have a contrite spirit. You don't know what you're doing. I know you think you know what you're doing, but you don't. Like what if we all just approach life that way? Lord, just driving to work. I don't have a clue how to do this, but I know you do. You're way better than I am. So I'm going to open my hands up. I'm going to invite you, Holy Spirit, to move through my life today. Like, love the one in front of me. Give me supernatural wisdom on how to apply information to my job. Thank you for favor, Lord. Thank you for increase, God. And you know what God does? He answers your prayer. Look at Proverbs 22, verse 4. The reward for humility and the fear of the Lord is this, riches and honor and life. I don't know about you, but I'd like all three of those in increase. Excess, Lord, the riches. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for more life. Sorry, I'm having way too much fun. I got to be finished. Uh, thanks for coming up here, Brian. It's getting weird. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, how about you? More riches? More honor? More life? When you pray and you ask for those things, you know what God hears? Oh, you want to be humbled. I just can't figure out why I ain't getting no breakthrough in my money. Well, he heard you praying, but what he heard was, oh, so you're trying to be humbled. And then when he brings holy discipline into your life, you're like, nah, you're wrong, Lord. Nah, pastor's wrong, Lord. Nah, coach is wrong, Lord. Nah, my spouse is wrong, Lord. The Lord's like, I'm trying to bless you, but you will not be weak enough for me to put anything beyond that hard exterior shell that you've got going on because you're trying to protect your own identity to such an extent that you walk around like, I know what I'm doing. Every Just don't. Just forget that persona. God doesn't need your persona. God cannot bless who you pretend to be. God blesses who you actually are, not who you pretend to be. That's the person that God blesses. I would rather you show up and be like, this is it. This is all I got. I don't have a clue, Lord. Can y'all pray for me? I don't know what I'm doing. Can, can, I don't know. <laughs> I'm clueless. Like, what if we just took that posture? God loves that posture. Here's the last point. I'm going to get you out of here. Desire more than revelation. Hunger for demonstration. Like, if our obedience could catch up to our instruction, Nashville would be turned upside down. Right? Like, if our obedience could catch up to our instruction, man, the nations would be in revival. But we, we're in this culture where it's cool to amass information. And Paul's like, look, if you want to be deep, it's not about you collecting heavy revy. I'm deep. Look at my Twitter feed. Paul's like, don't care about your Twitter feed. Can you raise the dead? Can you heal the sick? Can you cleanse the leper? Can you cast out demons? 
Or is whenever somebody needs deliverance, you're the person hiding behind the praying church mama that's like, oh, let me at him. You'll figure out who's deep if a demon manifests. I promise you that. Oh, I thought you were deep, bro. <laughs> you have such a great Twitter feed. Oh, demons are not afraid of your feed? Who knew? <laughs> Tweet that. Demons are not afraid of my Twitter feed. <laughs> Listen, we're going to get to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 maybe in a couple weeks. I don't know if we're going to keep doing the sermon series. It's just kind of spontaneous. But, like, Paul's like, oh, I heard you guys have been talking trash about how deep you are. He's like, I'm going to show up. And I'm not going to ask you to preach. But I'm going to watch for a demonstration of power. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. We, we got we to gotta leave this child's play behind of like I'm just trying to collect information listen there's nothing wrong with study do it I, I'm in school too like I study all the time I read all the time it's great you should do it I'm not against it I'm not saying that like you you have to be undereducated to move in the power of God like please don't hear me say that do all that stuff right love the Lord your God with all of your mind Jesus said right do all of that stuff but don't amass information and then forsake an actual, real, living demonstration of the kingdom of God with the release of power to such an extent that it changes not only the atmosphere, but people's physical bodies and their spirits. Like, we must expect that people would experience a supernatural move of the Holy Ghost when they step into this room that starts with salvation. There is nothing more supernatural than salvation. Honestly, there's, there's really not. If you, if, you, if you think about it, the church has been running for, for thousands of years on a revelation about salvation. And so we don't actually think it's very impressive when somebody repents and gets saved. We're like, well, yeah, that's what's supposed to happen. But if you are really to consider that at depth, we believe in the regeneration of the spirit man internally when someone confesses with their lips that Jesus Christ is Lord and they are saved eternally to go with God forever in paradise. Like, are you serious? That's pretty supernatural. Like, that's crazy. And we're like, yeah, that's, yeah, of course, they got saved. Why don't we think about that like with physical healing and miracles? It's because it's, it's, it's fresher revelation. We have to be a church that's like allows that stuff to take root in our spirit. And so in the same way that we expect people to get saved by, you know, saying a prayer, we also expect people to get physically healed when we lay hands on them and do what the Bible says and call the elders of the church and anoint with oil and people have like cancer fall out of their bodies and tumors disappear and dead people are actually being raised and deaf ears pop open and blind eyes open up and the mute begin to sing and lame people who can't walk with their legs start to walk again like we have to believe for a demonstration of the Holy Spirit Paul says look if you want a plant a biblical church get off this whole thing of just like notes and quotes there has to be a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit that's why Paul himself he says I didn't come to you with eloquent speech I didn't come to you with man's wisdom why because he was a good pastor He's like, look, I don't want them getting impressed with my keynote. Paul probably sat in a chair. He's like, Jesus and Jesus crucified. Let's talk about that for a long time. 
you know why? Because as a great pastor, he did not want the church to be planted on man's ability. He did not want a church planted on how good the pastor was at preaching or how great he dressed or any of that stuff or like how good the worship was or how many streams they have on YouTube or any of that stuff. He's like, no, no, none of that stuff is going to provide stability to a church in revival. Here's what's going to provide it. The power of God, the wisdom of God, which is Jesus and Jesus crucified. Amen. Let's stand and pray. Jesus, forgive us for where we have uh, forgotten the essence of our life. Not just our belief systems or what we consider to be faith, but Lord, forgive us for how we have neglected the very essence of our lives that you planned for us to be born at this time in history long before creation itself and that you would be the epicenter of our purpose that to fellowship with you would be the very point of our life and what you accomplished on the cross would be the very point of human history thank you God for appointing a time in which we might walk with you and talk with you as a man speaks with his friend thank you for the Holy Spirit Thank you for the wisdom of the cross. Thank you for the wisdom of the cross that is foolishness to the world, that is foolishness to man's perspectives and opinions, that is foolishness to the culture, that is foolishness uh, to the unregenerated mind. Lord, we just say thank you for giving us an increase of revelation in Jesus Christ and Jesus crucified. This is what we want more than anything else, is more understanding of Jesus and Jesus crucified. If you want more of God, you want more of Jesus and the cross. We bless you, Lord. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.